in October of 2018, I was at a conference in Las Vegas. There was a noted speaker from UC Berkeley. She's a professor who's an expert on workplace burnout. And believe it or not, she was at a technology conference. And she was a keynote on the second day. As I took notes, I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. And that's Dan George on this episode of Time to Sing Your Song. For many years, Dan thrived in corporate IT. But like so many of us, he felt a growing disconnect between his work and what gave him deep fulfillment. He realized that what ignited his soul was helping others. And this realization sparked a desire for a career change in his 50s. Burnout had taken its toll, but it also became the catalyst for Dan's transformation. He decided to take the plunge, leaving behind the stability of his corporate job to pursue his passion for coaching differentiated leaders. If you're part of the majority who are not connected to their jobs and long for something new, Dan's story should be helpful to you. It may even give you the confidence to do something about it. During our conversation, we will cover a number of topics, including what Dan did to prepare for his new career, navigating the financial challenges of jumping from a steady paycheck to doing something new and on your own. A fear that Dan had that, upon retrospect, was totally unfounded. Something that had a positive impact on Dan's transition that, upon reflection, surprised him. And Dan's advice for those of you who want to make a change but just can't seem to pull the trigger. If you're enjoying these conversations, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give Time to Sing Your Song a five-star rating. Please also share your thoughts as well. It really helps bring awareness to these awesome stories. And if you're really inspired, share the podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. I am always on the prowl for new stories of people who are now singing their song. If you have one, or you know somebody who does, reach out to me. Easiest way is to send me an email at mike at time to sing your song.com, or you can send a direct message on social media. Mike Kearney on LinkedIn and mkearney33 on Twitter. Okay, let's get to it. My conversation with Dan George. Dan George, welcome to Time to Sing Your Song. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Dan, you were in corporate for many years. What was the moment, or maybe they were actually moments when you knew that there was something more fulfilling for you? Well, it's interesting you'd ask, maybe there were moments because there were moments, and I'll, I'll give you just a few. In October of 2018, I was at a conference in Las Vegas. There was a noted speaker from UC Berkeley. She's a professor who's an expert on workplace burnout. And believe it or not, she was at a technology conference. And she was a keynote on the second day. As I took notes, I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. And my wife was with me on that trip. We were going to take advantage of being in Vegas. Uh, the next day, the conference ended midday. We hopped in a rental car and we drove up into Utah to hike Bryce Canyon and Zion National Parks. Those are some of our favorite places on earth. And we processed that realization together that I was burned out in technology. Now, if you fast forward about a year, 
September 2019, I'm in the second day of an on-site training of my coaching training program. And we could get into that a little bit more later, but I'm sitting on the steps of the Memorial Union in Madison, Wisconsin, looking out at the lake. Uh, I don't remember if I've already eaten my broad or not, but I for sure have a cold beer and a plastic cup sitting next to me. Um, at the time, I'm still working in professional services, but I'm pursuing this certified professional coaching certificate. I call my wife, Kim, to catch up on our days. I say to her, we need to make a plan. Kim, knowing me so well, simply says, I know. <laughs> hey, I want to go back to the burnout. What did burnout yeah. look like for you? Ooh, well... The one thing that really strikes me that I still remember from that, there were several things. This, it, the speaker was Christine Maslach. She said inefficacy, which really means things that you are good at. And all of a sudden you start questioning. You don't feel like you're good at things that you, you know, if you'd asked me six months earlier, Mike, I'm like, yeah, I'm good at that. That's my job. That's what I'm good at. And all of a sudden you start questioning the things that you know that you're good at. And I had this gnawing feeling. And the way that I knew about it was later in that day, I was actually sitting next to a managing director that I, that I worked with. And we were processing later in the day. We just, I don't remember which one of us asked the other one, but we both looked at each other and one of us asked the other and said, what about that keynote? Hmm. And we realized we both had the same feeling. But it took you a year to go to your wife and say, you know, something needs to change and her come back to you to say, yeah, you need to make a plan. Why did it take a year? Uh, there were there were other steps along the way. It, I'd been in professional services or big tech for 30 some years by then. It honestly, Mike, it was my identity. It was it was hard to make a to make steps to think I need to step away from this. I probably thought I just needed to pivot versus make as big of a change as I ultimately would make. And how'd you know that it was a good idea? And, and what I'm getting at is it's one thing to think in your mind, wow, you know, I, it sounds exciting. I want to do something different. It's a whole different thing to make this big pivot that we'll talk about in a second. But how did you know that it was a good idea? I had been involved in people initiatives in the professional services firm that I was working in. That wasn't my main job, but for a number of years, I'd been involved in people initiatives and I'd been asked to serve as a career coach. I don't remember three or four years before I would ultimately leave. And of course I said, yes, I tended to say yes to, to those kinds of things. I was always interested in helping people develop. Uh, my dad instilled that in me a long time before. And I enjoyed it. But one of the things that really got me thinking about it, Mike, was I reached out to a career coach and I reached out to a mentor internally. And those two women helped me start thinking about things differently. They didn't tell me to leave. I didn't ask about leaving. But we started having conversations that started making me think about what do I really enjoy? What's the kind of work that I really enjoy? And by talking to someone, an internal career coach who asked me questions that I struggled to answer on the first, in the first conversation, 
it really made me think about, Dan, what do you really want to do? What do you really enjoy doing at this point? You know, you still have a lot of your career ahead of you. What do you want to do? And it, it, it intrigued me. It got me really interested in coaching and it, got me to go back and talk to the guy who asked me to be a career coach. He was a learning and development lead in our organization. And I asked him more about it. And he said, uh, Dan, I think whenever you would choose to leave this organization, it's something you might consider for your, your career, for the next step in your career. And this was a guy who knew me well. And that was enough for me to start thinking about something else. Dan, I, I, hopefully you're going to be okay if I ask you this question, but how old were you when you went to that career coach? Oh, I'm okay with that. I was probably mid-50s, Mike. Okay. The reason why I asked that question is I think there's probably a lot of people that you know are in their 50s or even their 40s where they're like, I can't recreate myself. What's your thoughts on that question? I would tell them that they're, they are lying to themselves that they can always find something new and different and fulfilling. Right. And they, if they would look over, as I say this, Mike, I'm thinking of a conversation I've had with a, with a coaching client of mine. If they would walk to their backyard, if you will, I'm using, I'm just using a metaphor here. If they would walk to their backyard and bother looking over the fence you know, the proverbial grass isn't always greener over the fence, but but just to look over there and have some conversations to think about what else is out there. You might still choose to stay. You might still choose to pivot. You might still choose to do some different things internally, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with, I think one of the things that hopefully we'll talk about a lot, Mike, and we're probably getting into it earlier than I was thinking, but that's great, is, is the power of and. Yeah. Just right? Just about thinking about something different, thinking about change does not mean I have to leave my current organization does not mean I have to cut off everything. Yeah. I would argue even just always thinking about where you're at and where you're going is just healthy. And to your point, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to leave. And it actually may confirm that you're exactly where you need to be, but, but always questioning that I think is a good and healthy process. Right. Right. I mean, Think about what's the quote unquote worst outcome. That isn't a a bad outcome. Obviously it's what you just described. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about the fact that you ultimately got into coaching. So talk about what that looks like. Sure. So I went through this coaching program. And so now what I do is I have a leadership coaching practice and I coach what I just, this is not original. The, the term differentiated leader is certainly not original to me, Mike, but I coach differentiated, differentiated leaders. Those are leaders who value people, separate from safe group thinking, act with moral courage, and lead beyond boundaries. And my clients include senior executives, entrepreneurs, ministry leaders, world-class athletes, aspiring leaders, and those in career transition. And then I also do consulting and facilitate training for those clients. How does it compare to your old life? And what I'm really curious of is I'm sure there's probably some things that 
were difficult in the beginning. So, you know, in retrospect, you're like, right. Ooh, that was kind of hard. Maybe that's not as good as I thought, but my guess is there's probably some good things as well. Right. Right. Well, if I can take a, let me, let me take a little bit of a step back as I answer that question, because the other thing that I do is I also work for the fellowship of Christian athletes where we serve coaches and athletes. Uh, it's a sports-based ministry. I serve coaches and athletes in the middle schools and high schools of Western Lee County here in Southwest Florida, where my wife and I now live. So that's an important piece of it because as I described, the, the, one of the good things about the change, um, that'll make sense. So uh, it, good, good things about comparison. Um, one is focus. I get to focus on people and leadership development. I, I said to a friend of mine I was having coffee with a few weeks ago, I said, if I'm not spending my time developing leaders, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. I get to do that now. When the last day in the office with the professional services firm I was most recently with, I had turned in all my all my technology, I was, you know, grabbing my things and I was about to go have, you know, a dinner and drink with a friend. And I ran into uh, one of the women from my team, had been on my team. I had hired her a few years before. She's still there. She's being promoted. She's doing great. Uh, I just happened to see her and, you know, she said, oh, I'm really going to miss you. And I looked at her and I said to her, you are my joy here. And I could have said that to multiple people to watch, you know, someone be hired and do well, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's so anyway, I get to focus on that all the time now. I'm curious, did that come out organically? Meaning like, I'm guessing you probably didn't set your side on like, oh, I'm going to help people. It was probably a byproduct of the job that you said, I want to do this more. Is that, is that kind of how it came about? That's, that's exactly how it came about. In fact, uh, if my, if, if my uh, supervisor from a number of years ago at, at one of the professional services firm heard this, she'd be laughing because she had to convince me, believe it or not, to uh, actually step into a people leadership role. Uh, I just like doing project work. And she said, no, it'll be good for you. Uh, you know, you need the experience. And, and that's when I realized oh, I kind of like doing this, but I, I liked both. And it, it really came about, Mike, when... I was going after a, a big promotion and I had to present my case for the promotion and I had to think about my value proposition. And I put my value proposition as the, uh, the delivery piece, like relentless about delivery, but passionate about, it wasn't, but it was and passionate about developing people, like both matter. Yeah. And I realized that for me, it was a combination and it, you, you had to be both. I understand the first, I'm not, I don't live in a world where you can't not do the first and, you know, in the coaching world, it's the same thing. But as I got more involved in those people initiatives, the more I did that, the more I facilitated training, the more I had people reach out to me, Dan, will you help me in my career? Can I have coffee with you? Will you serve as my mentor? I was like, Oh, this is this is really wonderful. You know, I've I'm just ahead of them in the career. I don't have all the answers, but I'm glad to help them as they progress in their career. What I find so interesting about that is that I almost could feel the energy when you were talking about helping these people. And I think one of the things that I would encourage people to do, especially those that aren't happy with the work they're doing, is that there probably are some bright spots. So things during the course of the day where you're like, oh God, I love this. And maybe just kind of go a little deeper on those areas and see if that 
is something you potentially could do because what you have done is you took a career where you were able to start to develop people, get opportunities to facilitate coach where you're like, this is something that I really enjoy doing and I want to make a career out of it. So it wasn't, I mean, it was certainly a leap for you, but it was something that you actually had been building skills for over many years. Right. Can you talk about what you did to prepare yourself for this new career? Because a lot of people, in my experience, start to understand the things that they would like to do. And they understand kind of maybe even the deeper why, but they get stuck on, okay, now how do I make it come alive? So what were some of the things that you did to prepare yourself? So I'm, I'm, I'm still at the professional services firm. I honestly am not thinking that I'm leaving at this point necessarily. Okay. Um, in, in the beginning, I'm still thinking and at this point, Mike. Yeah. I, I still have in my head that I'm going to pursue coaching. And I knew that there was a, an avenue where I could stay at the professional services firm and they would allow me to have my own coaching practice, of course, you know, I, you have all the ways of separating your, you know, you can't, you can't do certain things or right. You separate from that. that. That's of course I knew all those things that was not going to be a problem. So I had every intention of doing them side by side, but still you have to prepare yourself and think, okay, well, how do I go about doing this? And I thought, well, if I want to be a coach, if I were to hire a coach, I wanted someone who had done some done some training who, you know, didn't just hang a shingle. I mean, I, I wanted someone with experience. So I thought having done all this training, facilitating training myself, I thought I need to be trained. Um, I need to have been coached myself. I need to, you know, I need to do what I'm going to ask other people to do. Not everything, but, you know, when I look back, I think it was really important that I'd had a mentor who I could who I could talk to over the years who knew me pretty well internally. Um, I had people externally who knew me pretty well, and I started talking to them about changes. And I gave them, they knew they had permission to like speak into my life. Basically, right. you know, you can, you can tell me if you think as I'm making some of these steps, you, you ask questions. Um, but I, the, I said it earlier that that career coach internally, I, I only probably talked to her. I don't want to exaggerate here. I bet three or four times, mm. but it helped a lot. And when leaders in the firm offered to help me, just period offered to help me, people that I respected offered to help me to connect me with someone. I always said, yes. I always said yes. So I can think of uh, the person who was, you know, the chief people officer in effect offered to connect me with somebody, a partner in France. He said, this is someone you should really know. And you know, this guy didn't know me from anybody and he would make time for me once a month. And I would have, I would have swept the floor to work for that guy, Mike. I mean, you know, so, so I just, those kinds of, those kinds of inputs from other leaders, um, they probably emboldened me, I think is what happened. Like yeah. I, I didn't realize it, but I, when I'm telling you the story, I realized that that emboldened me. And I finally took the step of, I'm going to enroll in a coaching program. And I enrolled in the coaching program without knowing whether my firm would pay for it. And it wasn't a cheap coaching program. And in the end, they didn't pay for it. I ended up writing the check. What, what I find uh, interesting about this is that 
first. You said, I just said yes to any conversation, anything I needed to do. But then the second thing is you put your own money into a coaching program. And my guess is when you jumped in that coaching program, you had no clue exactly how that was going to, I don't know, result in after you got went through that coaching program, whether that was doing coaching internally for this organization or doing it on your own. And then the other thing that I find fascinating is you actually let yourself be coached so that you understood what it was like to be put into that position. All of these things are just taking small and big actions, but to move it forward without even an understanding of exactly where it was going to get you, which I think is pretty powerful because I think sometimes people are so focused on the destination versus just starting. Right, right, right. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, uh, Mike, and um, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I'm a huge Green Bay Packer fan. Not necessarily a great year to be a Packers fan, but but, but I, <laughs> yeah. I'll hold, I'll, I'll hold on to that. Um, and I, I remember this clip from when the Packers won a Super Bowl in the '90s, and Mike Holmgren's the coach, and he's in the locker room, and I don't know what game they just won, a big game, maybe, maybe they get to the playoffs, maybe in the playoffs, and he tells the team. Remember, it's important to enjoy the journey. It's important to enjoy the getting there. And, you know, our, our career really is a journey. What, what, where are we getting? Like, what's the destination? There really isn't the destination. Right, right. Well, and, and you had said earlier, which I thought was interesting, is like, what's the worst that could happen? So you enroll in that coaching program. Yes, you made a financial commitment. But had it not led you to where you are today, you still would have picked up some unbelievably valuable skills that would have made you a better leader. And so once again, I think sometimes people get so hung up on just you know, taking the first step, enjoying the journey, uh, because they think it needs to kind of fit inside a perfect box to get them to that, that end destination that they're looking for. Whereas you jumped into it and then it took you to a place that brings you a lot of joy nowadays. Yeah. Right, right. And I ended up in a, I shouldn't say ended up, I, I had the privilege, the the blessing of being in a cohort of, mm. I think it was 40 people in this University of Wisconsin Certified Professional Coaching Program from all walks of life, different stages of careers, people who were going to stay in their organization, people who were going to start their own coaching practice, people with all kinds of different thoughts, belief patterns, et cetera, et cetera. I learned, I learned a lot in the coaching program. I learned a lot from those people. I'm still in touch with so many people from that cohort. Uh, you know, when you, when I thought about the journey, I think about how much I leaned on some of the people in that program, not just during the, the school year, but since then as well. That's interesting. That's one of the experiences I had when I left, um, Deloitte, my old company was, mm -hmm just being involved and in, in engaging with people that think, look, and are very different from me. And I'm not talking about just race, but I'm just talking about getting outside of kind of the traditional business world and interacting with people that I had never interact with. And it had a, a profound impact on how I saw the world and even how I show up. And so when you think about that, you know, all those folks that you were engaging with, what, what's something that they did for you that you didn't expect when you went into that program? Hmm. I think of a couple of things. One is, it's not fun to say this, but you know, you, you, you can't really read a book by its cover, right? Right. You know, as you get to know some of these people, 
it's really surprising. You know, my wife and I have said this to each other a lot, and maybe it has to do with the whole COVID year and all the things that have happened since then. Of you know, everybody has their story. Oh yes, right. And and so, what what people have shared with me and what they've been through. So I'll just take you know. So I'd say I've, I've taken strength from a lot of those people because I look at what they've been through and what they've what they've shared publicly about what they've been through, and I'm like, wow, the strength you have, and they're doing it because they want to help other people. I would always say you never know the devil someone's dealing with, and people That's- either share it <laughs> or they're not sharing it for the right reasons. But right. everybody has gone through something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's a, that's a big piece. And, and, you know, I, I ended up, I keep saying ended up, but you know, I was, I was really blessed to have a couple of people that I just struck up a quick friendship with that there's one guy that the, the first time, so we, the program consisted of four, you know, on sites, three days on site, and then a lot of virtual and you know, doing your own thing and peer coaching and then coaching, et cetera, et cetera. So we'd be on site, then we'd be gone for a few months and we'd be on site, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I struck up a friendship with a guy and we made it so that every time we were up in Madison, we would go to dinner one night. Mm. And I didn't know the guy from Adam, right. When I started mm. and we, it was just, it was just good. It was, it was, it became a really in the best way, it became a really normal thing, a really normal touch point when we'd get together, you know, to just talk about what we were. And we didn't just talk coaching and we didn't just talk, we just talked like we started talking about our families and everything. When you go back to this time, was there a book or a podcast or an article or something that really stands out that helped you on this journey? Someone had recommended this book to me a number of years ago, uh, Working Identity. Uh, unconventional strategies for reinventing your career. The author's name is uh, Hermania Ibarra, but the author has some great ideas of sort of testing out things as a way of reinventing your career um, while you're still doing things. And that really is something that I've thought of again and again uh, throughout my journey. I also took a course I think a couple of years ago. So in the middle of this, I had already started coaching, but I took a course from a group called Right on Mission, R-I-G-H-T, Right on Mission. They're out in Northern California and it's called Strategic Futuring. So uh, you work through uh, your why, your values, your uh, mission, your vision, et cetera. It's a a really good process to go through. So whether it's that or something like that, that really helped me think through what I wanted to do. It, it's, a, it's a process where you look five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out, you know, and it's a, that, that's a daunting thing, but it's really helpful if you're willing to go through that kind of process. So both, I would say both of those things really helped me. And I've also learned through coaches that for me, uh, writing even if it's just for myself, writing is really helpful to me. It really frees up my thoughts. I do. Yeah, oh God, there's so many things you just said that I want to comment on, but I'll make it quick. Writing is probably one of the most important things that I do because I've got so many damn ideas that are flying around in my head by putting them down on paper and then pushing myself just to share them. It's a great way for me to come up with a point of view on whatever topic it is I'm trying to share. And then the second thing, or actually it's the first thing that you said, 
um, it's working identity. I've never heard of that book, but I'm going to check it out because this idea of experimentation, I oftentimes would call it like prototyping, like using design thinking and applying it to your life is an incredible way of figuring out where to go. Because once again, everything that I've ever done in my life did not work out the way that I thought it was going to. And it's usually doing something and then getting input, good or bad, and then adjusting is the way that I've gotten to where I've gotten to. And I don't think it's any different when you're trying to do something new. It's like, try it out. Once again, what's the worst thing that could happen? Use information to figure out where you need to pivot or keep going um, or even stop what you're doing. But if you don't do it, you could plan and read and do all these things all day long, but if you're not doing it and getting that input, you're not going to necessarily know where to go. So this idea of experimentation is a great one. When you reflect on this entire journey, what is something that had a really positive impact on your life, but surprised you in retrospect? Meaning in a million years, you would not have thought that that would have been the thing that would have gotten you to where you are today or enabled you to get to where you are, but it did. And it surprised you now in retrospect. Well, this is, this is going to seem like a funny answer, but, but hang with me for a second. Um, you know, the world tries to sell us this lie that life is compartmentalized. So I would look at your question and think I have to answer Mike's question in relationship to my career. But my answer is this. My, my wife and I bought a Class C RV in 2020. So you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I know. I believe, believe me, I know. Believe me, I know. Um, so we did it so we could travel. We, we love to travel. Um, so we drove out west a bit. We, we visited some extended family out in Colorado, uh, went to Estes Park, went to Rocky Mountain National Park, did some state parks, you know, did some state parks around us. We lived in central Illinois at the time. Um, we, we did a, we escaped the Midwest winter for a month in an RV park down in Brownsville, Texas. We went and visited my sister and brother-in-law and, um, my wife and I just spent the, you know, we spent a lot of time driving in an RV right. and, uh, you know, I knew it before then, but obviously you can coach remotely a lot. Almost all my clients are remote. Um, and my wife, she's a, she's a payroll and HR manager for, uh, the largest construction trade services company in Champaign-Urbana, where University of Illinois is. That's where we live before we moved to, uh, to Southwest Florida, where we are now. Um, and that's where she discovered that she could work remotely and they, they're fine with her working remotely. So, um, it actually freed us up. If, and I think it got us through a lot. We, by the way, we sold our RV after a year, which you could probably say the same thing you said a minute ago, Mike, as did probably a lot of other people. Um, <laughs> but, but it actually, I mean, we met so many nice people. Uh, we had our friends that we've known for 25 years, came down to Brownsville for two weeks. Uh, we had such fun doing that. Um, and you might be like, well, how does that have anything to do with your, with your journey? Um, I did a, I did a heck of a lot of thinking in the times that we traveled. Um, I do a lot of thinking while we're hiking and in the national parks and things. Um, I've actually done some things where my wife and I are, are, you know, hiking through a national park or hiking somewhere and she'll say, are you thinking about work? I'll be like, yes. And I need you to help me remember four things because I have nothing to write on, um, you know, <laughs> 
So anyway, that's you know anyway that, it seems like a funny answer, but it but it really I think it helped sort of keep my sanity, and it really it was good for the two of us, and um, I think that helped trigger our our move away from Illinois to Southwest Florida, as crazy as that might sound, which has been wonderful for us, not, and not just because of the weather down here. It's been wonderful wonderful for us in terms of community and all kinds of other things. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask this question later, but I'm going to ask it now. How important was your wife's support in you making this big change? I was, it was, it was huge. Um, my wife, my wife and I have been, uh, we, we started dating in high school, so that should give you an idea. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're basically, uh, you know, one, one team, but, uh, the last few years, uh, no questions asked have been the hardest few years of our lives. And that it's nothing about our marriage, but just the things around us. Uh, we were in a church for 23 years in the Chicago area that just sort of blew up. We had to fire the senior pastor for cause. I was an elder at the church. We decided to move away. So just to, to sort of heal from that, um, we just a lot of things, you know, when you do that, you lose community. Right you know, all those things. Anyway, um, I won't get into the deep part of that, but, um, so really hard, but I, so I would say, you know, apart from, you know, my, my faith in God and just knowing that, that, that he doesn't change having my wife with me through all this has been, uh, has been really important. So then if you, you've been listening to the story, you think, well, holy cow, then Dan, you made all these changes and you just told us that these last few years have been really hard. But the changes that we've made haven't been the hard part. It's been external things that have happened around us. So it's been really important for my wife and that my wife and I have been on the same page. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one little story, um, Mike, in terms of the change. The, the, the last piece of the change of leaving corporate, I, I'm standing in my home office. We lived in Champaign-Urbana. Um, I am standing at a standing desk, which I, which I do all the time. And I had my door open. So my wife knew I wasn't on a call and she walked in and I'm just hanging my head, staring at my desk. And she says, what? And I said, I just shook my head. And I said, I feel like I'm set up for failure. I just, the, the project I was on and the thing, I was just, I, I just, it just wasn't going well. And I'll skip to the end of the story. We talked for a little bit and she says to me, what are we waiting for? You gotta love it. And I said, yeah, you got to like that, right? You got to like that. She, She's the one like, let's pull the trigger, right? And uh, so we set up a meeting with our financial advisor within, I don't know, you know, as fast as we could, you know, not like within a number of days. And he confirmed what we thought that, sure, we were going to make a lot less money for a while. And, and we still make less money than, you know, combined than I made when I was in corporate. But, you know, we, we knew that we're, we're doing okay. Um, but we made the decision then that was in early December and by the end of the holiday break, you know, I was on the, I was on the phone with my boss telling her that I was going to resign. And by early February, get, get, get this timing, Mike, early February, 2020, let that sink in for a little while. Um, I, I, re, I resigned and started my own coaching practice. <laughs> the reason why I raised the importance of being on the same page with your wife or partner or significant other is that it is one of the most important things that I oftentimes work with my clients on is yeah. if you're going to make a big change like this, it probably behooves you to get on the same page because there are so many implications. And one of the things you talked about a minute ago is you can't compartmentalize work and life, which I couldn't agree more. And so if you choose to do something different, taking a risk, 
it's obviously going to impact your family as well. And so, so being on the same page as your family, I think is critically, critically important. What about something that you thought would work? Like, oh my gosh, if I do X, Y, or Z, it's really going to help me. But now in retrospect, you're like, nah, that probably was not the best idea or the best path forward. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah. You know, and probably just disappointing too. I really thought, well, one, I thought I'd be able to do these two things side by side for a while. Obviously that didn't last for very long and it's okay. I, I, doing the two things side by side, I knew where my heart was pretty quickly. So that was easier than, you know, that wasn't that hard, but I thought that I'd be able to pick up business from a number of former colleagues who, you know, I mentored and, you know, helped in their careers. And not that there's been none of that, but there hasn't been much of it. And, you know, I realize they don't understand the value proposition, Dan. Right. Right. And and so one, I have to not take it personally. Mm. And then I have to think, not, not, not that everyone has to come do that. They're not all going to do it, but I also have to think, well, that's a nut for me to crack. Not, not again about a particular person or group of people, but why don't they understand the value proposition? What is it about, you know, some of the orgs or some of the group of people that wouldn't understand the value proposition? I, I mean, I have, I have my ideas about that, but I got to do some thinking on that. That raises though a really, I think, important point, which is, you walk away thinking that you'll be able to, in this case, you know, um, rely on former colleagues who potentially totally see the value because of course, why wouldn't they? You've been helping them all along, but it probably pushed you. I'm guessing, I don't know if this is true or not. I'd love for you to comment on it, but then to maybe think creatively about how you get clients elsewhere. And so in the end, it probably helped you because, you know, it identified an area that um, you needed to invest in that would yield dividends, i.e. clients down the road. Is that, is that true or not? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is true. And what ends up happening or what's happened for me so far is connections that I've made have led to other clients, you know, a a comment here, uh, you know, a, a, a lunch there and someone makes a comment and all of a sudden I think, Oh, I should go talk to those people. Why have I not talked to those people? Right. And and I've I've multiple times I've driven away or hung up from a call and thought as a as a client has said, yes, we want you to, you know, to hire you as a coach or we want you to do some training or or at least you know you're headed in that direction. And I've thought, this is not what I thought it was going to look like, but that's that's great. That's great because it's, you know, it's it's you know, somebody who's, it's a founder who's got a small consulting company who's, you know, doing this and, you know, I get to come in and, and, you know, just help them in the process. And I think, wow, this is great. I never would have, I never would have thought that this is what I was going to do, but what a, what a great opportunity, you know, and they get, they, I often think of coaching like this, Mike, I think about people inviting us along in their journey. They're, 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 this is, this is one of the reasons that my, coaching practice is called front seat leadership because they're driving and they invite us into the passenger seat to make some observations and help them as they drive. First of all, I agree with everything you said, and it keeps going back to this notion of just, just experiment and do things and it will work out. But 
a, uh, an example, I think that's real time right now is a lot of people are being laid off and I get calls. It seems like almost daily from somebody that I knew from my past that's asking for some advice and guidance. And, and the thing that I've learned, and I think this applies beyond just being laid off. It's just more about finding opportunity. It's not necessarily somebody that's in your network. That's going to help you. It's somebody that is in your network that knows somebody else that they're going to connect you with that you will never in a million years have thought that that individual would be the one that would help you. Because oftentimes when people call me, I'm like, you know what? I really don't have something uh, directly that I could provide to you at this point in time, but I know somebody that really could help you. And then I make that connection. And invariably that's the individual that ultimately helps that individual that's looking for help. And I think that's no different than, you know, when you're in business for yourself, it's like, you know, you know, relying on your network and then their network. Right. Right. And I don't remember the kind of who it was, but I just had this conversation with someone in the last few days about connections. And I realized this is what I did in professional services. Of mm. course, you help your clients. Of course you, but, but a lot of what I did and tried to do was be a person who could connect people to someone else who could help them. I wanted to be a person that right? you always mm. want to be the person that they'll call and go, oh, okay, I, I think this person could help you. Let me introduce you to that person. And, you know, if they if they can't help you, come back to me and I'll see if I can't find someone else. When you look back, was there a fear? Like when you sat down with your wife and you said, let's put together this plan. Was there a fear that you had that now you believe was unfounded? Yes. The first one and the biggest one that comes to mind is will people pay for my time? How much will they pay for my time? And when you start coaching, when you're going through the program, you just need to get coaching hours and you coach peers and that mm -hmm. counts and you can do pro bono coaching and that counts. And then you ask someone to buy you a drink at a coffee shop and that's paid coaching. And then you have to get to real money. And I remember uh, when things really changed for me, I, I had a client, I'd known him for years. Um, he was waiting for me to become a coach. He was going to start his own business. And, he, and that's when he decided he wanted me to help him. And we got through the first session of a six session coaching engagement. He asked if he could share some feedback at the end. I of course said, yes. He said, Dan, you need to charge more for your coaching. <laughs> he, that's awesome. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah. He's, he then went on to tell me what he thought I could charge and why I should charge that. And uh, I now, I now, I now basically charge what, what he said I should charge. Right. And I don't really have problems with that, with that rate. I mean, and, and there are going to be people, you've probably come across this, Mike, there are going to be people who, who balk at the rate. Yeah. I, I don't work with them. Yeah. That's well, that's exactly, that's the, that's the answer. That's the answer. Right. I mean, there's, and it's not because, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, that's my rate. I, I think, I think that's, that's exactly right. 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 Exactly right. Right. That's but it was so good of him to say, Dan, you need to charge more for your coaching. And here's why. Put up a poll that basically said, you know, I think it was the stat is like 75% of people are not connected to their job and 19% are miserable. God, the word miserable, like miserable is not good. Like, so if, if almost 20%, one in five people are miserable in their work, that's, that's not good. And that means there's a lot of people that like to do something else. And so then I asked the question, like, what's holding you back? And I think you're given like four choices. So it was like financial, like the money, I got a wife, a kids, you know, a mortgage, uh, college, all that good stuff. I don't know what I would do. 
Um, I don't have the confidence. And the last one was judgy family and friends. By far and away, and I think it was like 63% was financial considerations, which that's the thing I keep seeing coming up over and over. Like, once again, I know what I want to do. I know why I want to do it. But oh my God, I got to pay the bills. And so I'm curious, how did you get over that fear? And, and maybe what guidance or advice would you have for people? And that's a real fear. I mean, like, geez, I do have a mortgage. What would you tell people to do in those circumstances when money is in the way? I would tell them one, hire a financial advisor if you don't have one. Mm. Uh, and then establish financial goals. Once you've done that, and to, to do that, you really then, once you do that, rather, you can determine what financial levers you can pull. And when I thought about it, Mike, I think, you know, this is how I managed a lot in the marketplace and how I help people navigate what seemed like emotionally charged problems in the workplace. You know, yep. you look at the facts, determine what levers you can pull, look at what would likely happen if you pulled each of them and then choose a course of action. So if someone listening, I'm not suggesting there are other things you could do, but if someone listening to this says to themselves, that's too hard, then I suggest they don't actually want to make a change. I, I'm not suggesting they don't have bills. I'm not suggesting they could, well, that's easy, Dan. You're, you're, you know, however old and your kids are out of college and do, 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 do. Um, but, you know, my wife and I, I didn't know I was going to make this change, but my, my wife and I made decisions years ago that helped us get in the situation that we're in. I totally agree with what you just said. Well, first of all, I agree with everything. Hire a financial advisor and make a plan. And I think one of the things that's implicit in a plan is the notion of time. Like a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I just want to burn the bridges and just go now. Well, that's not practical for most people. Okay. So when you're doing the planning, if you were like, okay, I want to do this, those levers could be things like maybe I need to start minimalizing. Maybe I need to start selling stuff that don't bring me that much happiness. I um, Listen, I was in a great position. I had an incredible job. So it's hard for me to talk about this. But, but one of the things I did is I sold our cabin. We had a cabin up in Tahoe and I was like, well, this costs a lot of money. And if I, at some point in time, want to make uh, a decision where I could do things on my own, I need to cut my costs. I had a 13 year old car that people would laugh at, but it's like, it works. Like I don't need to go buy the latest car, but there are things that you need to do from a you know, potential minimalization and just cutting costs. But I also had a timeline of several, God, I think when I first thought about kind of my next thing, it took me about seven or eight years to get there. Um, and there was a variety of reasons for it, but, but I think the other thing is just put together a plan, think about your time and then, and then execute. And so I think that's really wise advice. What about, and maybe this is kind of a, a macro question before we get to our, our last one, but, um, beyond financial considerations, and maybe you could even expand on it if you want. But once again, if you go back to that those stats that I was sharing, you know, 75% are not. You know, connected to their job and 19% are miserable. What advice do you have for someone who wants to pivot in their career, but once again, can't seem to pull the trigger? Mm -hmm. I would say don't, don't go it alone. Uh, invite someone on your journey. So get someone in your corner. I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a coaching client when I'm sharing this as a coaching client from a few years ago who was just struggling where they were. Um, Find someone to encourage you. 
and then find someone to challenge you. Those might be the same people. They might be different people. Uh, hire a coach if you can. And, and I would, that might sound self-serving. It's, it's not. And, and here's why. Because coaches know how to ask you good questions and they will listen. They'll give you space and they'll help you pull out things that are inside you that you've never given voice to. That's what happened to me, Mike. That's how this whole thing really got going for me. Right, right. right. And, and, and to your point at the beginning, sometimes those coaches exist within your organization. That's right. And you might not even have to pay for it. Right. And so, you know, let, let somebody, if they exist within your organization, take advantage of it. If it's a mentor inside your organization, go, go get a mentor inside. If you don't have a mentor inside your organization and they're available, why are you not? Why are you not taking advantage of that? Find even if it's a you know informal, find someone else in your organization to go talk to that you can trust. Say, hey, hey, can I buy you coffee? Can we go talk? Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm thinking about. You know, help me think through this. Can can we talk once a month? Right? I can think of several people that I did that with, and I did that. You know, I I talked to them, and I can think of people that I did that for. And you know, was it was it formal? We just had lunch every once in a while, right. but, you know, some of those people started thinking about leaving the org or, you know, Hey, I want to get to Europe. We'll, you know, how do I do that? And here's why I want to do that in my journey and for my family. Yeah. One of the things that I oftentimes tell people is, is look at somebody who's living the life you want to live. And there's a high likelihood that you may not know them. But one of the things I've also found is people like to be liked. people like to be respected. So go to them and say, hey, listen, I really respect you, you know, for these following reasons. I would love to pick your brain. And what I have found is invariably more times than not, people will say, yeah, absolutely. And if they don't, that's okay. There's a lot of people out there. Go to the next individual. And so don't necessarily restrict it to the folks that you know. Go find the people that are living that life you want to lead. And just ask them if you could pick their brain. Yeah, I like that a lot. When I created Time to Sing Your Song, I'm Led Zeppelin, Ramble On, one of my favorite songs ever. I don't think I've said that in a while, but I always love bringing up that song. The reason why I did is because I wanted to create a platform where people wanted to pivot in their life, wanted to lead a different life, weren't necessarily unhappy with where they were at, but they knew that they could craft a better life, which is obviously what you've done. You've not only doing work that brings you a lot of fulfillment, um, it sounds like you've got a lot more flexibility. You've got an incredible wife, by the way. And now you live in uh, sunny Florida. So is there a song, maybe better said, what is a song that brings to life your journey? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat slightly. I'm going to give you a two-part answer, Mike. Because um, there's a song at the beginning and there's a song that I think really captures it right now. Um, I, I would say going into the journey, there's a song called Honestly by the City Harmonic. It's a band that was out of uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Um, the song writer uh, asked a question whether he could let go of all that God had given him and really just be God. And he, in the song, he basically invites God to shake his foundation, even to break him. Um, and I remember playing the song for a Romanian pastor friend of mine. I was driving him to Midway Airport after he visited with us for a church conference. And he said to me, he goes, um, that's a really dangerous prayer. Um and uh, little did I know that God would let my foundation be shaken over the next five years. Um, I, listen, I still listen to that song, by the way. Um, wow. 
but but it's a good one. It's a good one. It's it's a little scary, but it's a good one. But I would say most recently, in in the midst of the journey, the, the song that really captured it all is um, a song called "Burn the Ships" by For King and Country. Um, yeah. It's a band of the, the two brothers are originally from Australia, and yep. they of course, like like everybody now, live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, one of the one of the guys wrote the song when his wife was accidentally uh, accidentally became addicted to painkillers and. There was uh, so much shame in the journey that, you know, sadly, many people have to walk. Um, so he wrote the song to tell her that she could leave the past behind. And, you know, the, you know, the idea of burn the ships. I think it was Cortez and the Spanish expedition to Mexico. He, he burned the ships because he knew his crew was exhausted and he didn't want them to give up. Like, you have no choice, right? Um, but I grabbed onto the song in the aftermath of all the stuff my wife and I um, had happened when we were leaving our home church and moving and all those kinds of things um, with that same thought, right? Burn the ships. We're going to leave all this stuff behind. Not that it was all bad, but there's no choice. We're not going backwards. Not going back. Uh, not going back. So for me, it's burn the ships. And now I listen to that song and it's like a little, it's, it's, it's more than a little. It's a victory song for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Dan, um, thank you very much uh, for your honesty. You've given a lot of ideas. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because I think you're representative of so many people that want to do something different. I also love the fact that you made the decision in your 50s and you you show that you know even though you've had a long career, you can pivot. So just because you're in your 50s and maybe nearing retirement, uh, you are a perfect role model for somebody that's made it happen. Um, and I love the fact that you're you're kind of helping people and kind of true to, you know, who you are as an individual. I think, um, I think just even reflecting on this conversation, you've shared some things that will help give people a confidence to take a leap. And one of the things I would say is, um, if, if anybody needs help, you've heard Dan's story, this is what he does for a living. So reach out to him. And so Dan, with that, if somebody was like, Oh, I got to talk to Dan and I would love to talk to him potentially about coaching. How could they reach out to you? Yeah, well, you can find me on uh, on LinkedIn. It's Daniel M. George. Um, it's CoachDanGeorge.com for my coaching. And um, uh, I'm on Twitter at, it's, it's a, it'd be a long story to this, but it's at C-A-P-T-S-C-R-U-B-C, A-P-T-S-C-R-U-B. So you can find me at any of those places. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Mike. Dan, thank you again for sharing your story and advice for people who are looking to pivot in their career and even in their life. I'd encourage everybody to check out Dan's song, Burn the Ships by For King and Country. And if you liked my conversation with Dan, go back to past episodes to hear other amazing stories of people who were lost or broken and now are singing their song. Big thank you to everybody who listens to Time to Sing Your Song and being part of this community. My goal is to help everyday people like you and me use the hard times as a catalyst to create a life that we are all meant to live. Until next time, start singing your song today because as the anonymous quote goes, tomorrow comes, stay will be gone forever. In its place is something that you have left behind. Let it be something good.